When I worked at the University of Kentucky, I swore I would vote for any politician who could synchronize the stoplights on Harrodsburg Road and cut my travel time to and from work. Smart city initiatives promise to make city life more efficient. But are people really willing to give up their privacy on the promise that Big Brother can cut down on their commute time or save them money on their energy bill? And honestly, if smart cities require smart politicians, I'm skeptical. This show is all about separating hype from fundamental change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered, is this really a thing? On to our show. Um, so about a year ago, I was half asleep in a meeting of deans when somebody said the term smart cities. And I hadn't heard that before, so I wrote it down. And I will have to tell you, my initial thought was, dang, those people in Silicon Valley have the best marketers in the world. I mean, who could be against smart cities? Um, so I wanted to do some learning about that and what that really means and whether the marketing is far ahead of the reality or not and what it's likely to do to my world and my students' world going forward. So a couple of people have graciously agreed to join me today who have some opinions on it, and I'm going to probe their opinions a little bit. So um, next to me is uh, Craig Usler. Craig is, the leading master develop is leading the master development team for the Creative Village here in downtown Orlando. He is also co-developing several vertical projects at Creative Village, including a $105 million student housing project that better be ready by August 2019. <laughs> We will have a lot of homeless students downtown. <laughs> We're also joined by Mike Hess. Mike is the smart city director for the city of Orlando. He's a lead fellow and mechanical engineer. He was recently brought on board by the city of Orlando to lead off their smart city efforts. He's worked as the VP of smart and sustainable buildings for Panasonic smart city team. And he has worked on several smart city projects across the US. So let's start at the beginning. What the heck is a smart city? Craig, you want to? Okay, so um, yeah, it's, there's a couple answers. So one is sort of consistent with your, with your experience. It's become a buzzword um, that is somewhat self-invented through um, some marketing folks and real estate folks. Um, and it means, in theory, this idea that you're going to use um, data-driven or the Internet of Things and whatnot to connect everything and measure it and analyze it and make things more efficient. Um, I sort of choose to turn the term, and I, I say cities are smart and suburbs are dumb. I sort of feel like the city by definition is smart, city, city and urban development is smart, and suburban development is inefficient and dumb. So in my view, it's more of, a, it's more of an urban planning um, question about how you arrange things to be smarter and more efficient, and then you use technology in what is, I feel like, a better arrangement of how you build a city. And that's sort of, to me, what a smart city is. It's sort of, you start with city building and city design, and then you overlay technology on top of that to make a really great place. Said a different way, you could build the smartest city in the world, but if it's in a place, in a place nobody wants to live, or it's poorly designed, or, the, or has a bunch of other attributes that don't make it attractive, it's really not ultimately gonna matter how smart it is, right? And then I think technology and, and what Mike's um, sort of background brings is part of being smart. So I think um, being able to use technology and analytics and data-driven intelligence, I think that's one form 
of being smart. I have a different term that I call urban IQ, but the idea of a city's IQ is not just its sort of technology footprint and how smart it is, but there's an IQ about being more cultured and being more diverse that adds you know, value to society. So I tend to think about um, being a smart city is kind of like a technical degree. It's like getting a master's in engineering and being smart. Being a truly great city with a high IQ is a liberal arts degree. And it's like being good at a bunch of things. So I think you gotta be both to truly be a smart city. That's, the, that's my definition of it. That's not the definition you were referring to, but that's how I think of it. Mike? Yeah, so I would certainly agree with that. And my, my previous life, I worked for a technology company. And I think one of the things we learned very on in our uh, you know, role in the smart city space is smart city is not all about the technology. In fact, technology should really be the last part of the discussion. There's plenty of technology out there already. Technology is already changing, or it's always changing. And so that really shouldn't be your first step because a lot of times if you just start throwing shiny objects and technology to, to try to solve a problem, it, it may not actually work. Um, so we, you know, we saw a lot of technology that was out there to try, try to solve problems that didn't necessarily have to exist. So really to me, Smart City has to start with uh, good planning processes, so uh, stakeholder alignment, getting people to sort of think outside their silos, both within city, uh, city working with developers, but getting people to sort of th think differently and think together uh, was really the first uh, piece to Smart City. Um, and also really starting to think about what are the new business models or, or different ways we can work together once we get out of our silos to to figure out how to solve our city's issues. And, and that may be a technology solution, it may not be. Um, so I, I agree with you, Craig, 100%. Um, and really then technology comes in at the end to kind of fill the gaps. And you know, I would also encourage everyone to Google the definition of smart city. I mean, it's, it's sort of all over the place and most of them that you see are very technology focused, but I, I would encourage you never- Or self-declared. Self yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So whenever I'm trying to think, through whether something is a thing or not. The first question I always ask is, what problem are we solving here? So what is the promise of a smart city? What, what is it looking to solve? Yeah, and so that's an interesting question because that answer is gonna depend on where you are. So really the first part of any smart city process should be around planning and having the community decide what do we want to solve under this, you know, sort of smart city. Uh, like uh, traffic on I-4? Yeah, so, and I can tell you this is something that the city of Orlando is, is about to really dive into, is a, a smart city master planning process. Um, we're literally going to be uh, getting started on some of this next week. And, and really that process is all about community engagement, uh, you know, residents, developers, all the stakeholders in the community to come together and figure out what does smart city mean to us in Orlando? What do we want to solve? And, and, and once you get to that point, I mean, there are a million things smart city can solve. And I can, I can kind of walk you through from, you know, from an Orlando perspective, when we do this planning process, we've already started to sort of figure out what some of our major categories are that we want to work within in our planning process. Yeah, give us a sense of what's the top three things like on your list. Yeah, so I, I would say communications infrastructure is a big one. How, how do we solve that digital divide? How do we make sure everyone is connected and has access to technology? Because, in, because increasing inequality could be an outcome here, right? Absolutely. An I mean, another example on, on sort of the equity side, 
from an energy perspective. A lot of my past work has been around energy equity and resiliency so that everyone has uh, clean power, everyone has uh, access to resilient power. So that's another thing you can potentially look at in the smart city space. Um, two more on your list. Okay, I was gonna say I could keep going. Go ahead, we could, go. How long do you guys have? We could be here a while. Um, I think transportation is a big piece. You mentioned that. Uh, so, you know, there are different ideas that we're already starting to think about from a city perspective in, in the transportation space. I actually uh, was in a meeting just this morning where we were actually looking at technology to create a frequent flyer program for alternative transportation. So finding ways to, you know, new ways to leverage technology to encourage people to, to use alternative transportation. Um, and I'll give you I'll give you one more because uh, this was also a discussion yesterday. Uh, food waste. So think about all of the food that we just had at this event that is now going to go to waste. Uh, our sustainability uh, office of sustainability has been working on the food waste issue because it's a it's actually a very big issue in Central Florida. Um, so our smart city team actually has been coming across some technology that we can use to to basically get rid of food waste on demand using you know Grubhub, Uber Eats, and those kinds of things. So. That's, that's another area that we can tackle under smart cities. Craig, do you have a wish list? There? Yeah, so the, the, the problem to solve in Orlando, it's, and it's not unique, it's, it's the same problem Atlanta has and any really suburban sprawl-based city has. So Orlando has really, really uh, strong, uh, what I call an urban asset balance sheet. We, we have a lot of things you want, and we have population growth and, and, and all these great stats and all this stuff, but it's arranged poorly, it's arranged, in, arranged inefficiently. So, um, that's the promise of a smart city for a place like Orlando, it's efficiency. I mean, the, the, the problem when you ask me what we need to solve, it's, the, it's all these assets that should add up to more than they are, but they don't add up to what they should be because of the way they're disconnected and inefficiently arranged. So the promise of a smart city, especially in a suburban layout, is if you can connect all that stuff in a way where you can essentially just achieve a lot better efficiency, a lot higher return on your investment. So this is the promise on down from traffic and all that kind of stuff, that you can manage what you have better. Um, that's a somewhat different promise than in a truly um, smart city market leader, a New York City or a Boston or, or internationally, Shanghai, whatever it is. I mean, that, that's a, somewhat of a different promise, right? I mean, that, that is sort of these, these global leaders and thought and technology advancement. I don't think, at least in the short term, that's Orlando's promise as a smart city. I think you sort of start with some stuff you can do, and as a, as a city especially, you identify some of the ways you can really just gain efficiencies, and I like to also break the problem down to somewhat of a scale you can manage. Uh, I've struggled with the term smart city from the get-go because the promise is too big. Um, the, if you go to the to the conference of the smart city guy, it's like you're gonna live your whole life on your device and it's gonna, it's this George Jetson promise of efficiency and which is really, really difficult to achieve. So I think if we bring it down to a top, whatever we can do, make those things more efficient and make you feel better about the way you do it, uh, then I think that's sort of, the, that's quote unquote the problem you're trying to solve. And then I also would say that there's just an inherent um, frustration by many, many, many stakeholders in what seems to be a false promise of technology improving something. And so we're still challenged. Um, it, I use digital permitting as the example, right? So it should be easier, right, at the city, it should be easier to get, get digital permitting, right? As a, as a real estate person, digital communication should have made your life, you sh it should have freed up your time um, because you now have quicker ways, but it hasn't. It's sort of it's made it more complicated. So it also would be, in my mind, the challenge, the problem that you're trying to solve would sort of be if I'm if if this if the city is quote unquote smart then make it better for me 
and make the outcome be better for me. And you guys are supposed to be so smart now and have all this technology. Why doesn't the road move traffic any faster than it did? And the capacity's the same, and there's not any more cars on it. Just because everybody's texting and driving, and te technology's made it worse, right? So I mean, it's, it's a it's a weird thing that we're sort of searching for outcomes. Technology's delivered on its promise in some areas, like on your phone. It hadn't delivered in how you manage parking inventory in downtown Orlando, and it just frustrates you that how in the world can there not be an app for that? I mean, Uber's figured it out, and, we, and our app exists and doesn't really work, and you can't get the private garages in the public garage, right? So that's where I'm talking about come up with a problem we can solve, and I think maybe that's a quick, that's what you're looking for, right? It's something we can do. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You sound like you're a little mad at me there, Craig. <laughs> So parking management thing. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, so I mean, I can tell you as as, and I don't have all the answers yet. So as we go through our smart city planning process, we intend to engage the community. So I think you you just made it onto the advisory uh, committee. It's always how you get on the advisory committee. Um, is Orlando a particularly good candidate for us to be a smart city? If so, why? I can start with that because it's really you that make it. So yeah, so the, so the number, but I mean, yeah, so one of the number one things about this, you gotta wanna do it. So the reason that Orlando is a leader in sustainability is because Mayor Dyer's committed to that and he's committed um, executive leadership position and resources. So he's done the same thing with Mike's position. It matters to him. He travels around the country and he sees um, uh, other cities and talks to other mayors and he sees what they've accomplished and he sees, He'll see a place like Pittsburgh that's reinvented itself essentially based on sustainability and being smart. And he'll say, how'd you do that? And the mayor will, the Pittsburgh mayor will say, and the mayor says, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe I could figure out how to do that with my team. So that's part of it is, is we are a good candidate because we have leadership that cares about it. And then I also think we're a pretty good candidate for it just because we, we have some things that, um, we have some projects especially where the particular developers are interested in it. So uh, the sports and entertainment district project that the Magic are working on, a very, very committed to a smart city approach. Tavistock is very out in front of a lot of smart city technology, Creative Village, and we've talked about an alignment with the university and doing it there and making that a, li a living laboratory for a lot of university stuff. So yeah, I, th I think we're well positioned in the sense that we have some, some real influential stakeholders that would be um, willing to do it. And I think tourism is also a, a neat candidate. We haven't talked about that yet today, but um, I think um, we would all agree that this technology, if you've been to Disney lately and you figured out how to pay more money and skip the line and all that. That's a place it has delivered. Um, but, I, but I think there is a, that's a huge audience to try to analyze you know, the tourist market and make that more efficient. So I, I do see that as kind of low-hanging fruit and probably a lot of good strategic partners there. Yeah, and I would agree. I, th I think Orlando's a great city for this. And I, I can give two perspectives from my you know, past life working with a technology company. One of the things we noticed as we were working with cities is a lot of times the, the sort of medium-sized cities were we're really better at being innovative and, and you know, really thinking differently about smart cities as opposed to some of the bigger cities. And then from a, from a city perspective, I've, I, I haven't even been with the city for two months, but obviously the leadership of the mayor has, has been a key, but also just the rest of the city team. It, it, you know, I think Orlando has really assembled an A-team uh, within, within the city. A lot of our staff are uh, excellent, and so I think we've got the right team to be able to implement these things. So one of the issues that routinely comes up in the smart cities conversation is privacy. Right? Somewhere George Orwell is rolling over in his grave when he's thinking about smart cities. You know, I'd be really interested to know how many of you are willing to give up your privacy to get to where you want to go 10 minutes quicker in town or 15 minutes quicker. 
Yeah, more of you should raise your hand because you do. Right. <laughs> okay. Google tells me this, um, but um, that's a challenge, right? Yeah, probably the probably the greatest challenge we have on the implementation side is if you take in and if, especially as it extends to social issues. So someone says, I want to really address crime and homelessness and some stuff like that. We have the technology to do that right now. If everybody will submit to a face scan when they walk out of here and in every public right away, your face was constantly, we could virtually eliminate a lot of segments of crime if, you, if we would all commit to that um, level of, you know, whatever. So it's a challenge uh, in a lot of the ways we think about deploying the technology because, again, the promise of technology is intriguing, but then when you actually tell somebody the reality of what that means, it's controversial. Um, Charlotte and I were just in New York this weekend, uh, huge new development called Hudson Yards. They've got a great public art piece that everybody wants to climb up, or so they thought until they read the social media policy that you sign before you have to get the app, and it says we can use any photo you take and post on Instagram for our own profit and for our own whatever, and, so, and a lot of people have really pushed back on that because they don't like it from a privacy standpoint, and, and you're sort of like, well, what did you think? You were going to go take a picture in New York City of a famous piece of art and put it on Instagram, and you were going to own, and that was going to be private to you? But you'd be surprised how many people struggle with that. So I really do think that we're still, that's an unknown right now. Uh, I will say that. And we're talking about acts of government here, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> at some point that, yeah, that, that to me that's still a really, I don't know if I want to call it generational because that makes me sound old, but it, it is. It's I not mean, a thing. It's, I already covered that. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say maybe a, a younger generation is a little more open-minded to the way technology might be completely interwoven into your life. And we, we have found pushback. Um, corporate tenants and other folks that come from a, a more privacy-driven yeah, yeah, yeah. mindset. So yeah, I don't right. know if that's been your experience. But no, that, that's absolutely been my experience. And I, and I think that really goes back to the very beginning of what is a smart city. And that, that definition changes on your, you know, based on your community and, and, and the local culture. I mean, I've, I've worked on smart city projects in Japan where it's you know, a little bit different culture and they're willing to give up a lot of that privacy. Uh, in the U.S., it's different. Within different communities in the U.S., it's different. So really, as I mean, I could say as part of our smart city planning process, that's something where we really want to wrap our minds around. There's really this balance between, you know, data privacy and cybersecurity versus transparency and open data. And so we're going to continue in that planning process to think about our, our policies around open data and, and data privacy because it it, it's a huge issue. That well, you mentioned that security issue, right? Let me give a plug to my colleagues in engineering at, at UCF, who has um, probably the best cyber hacking team in the country. Right? And the issues around terrorism, right, around getting that data, I think would be enormous challenges here for people to kind of confront going forward. Um, so I've got a bunch of real estate professionals here today, what should they know about smart cities? How, how is it going to impact how they do business? So the way we think about it is, um, in Orlando um, especially, um, as Mike has more time on the job, that there's essentially going to be, in the same way you think about a region that has a transportation master plan, a sustainability master plan, there will be a, a long-term plan and view about how we think about ourselves as being a smart city. Um, and I think that's good. I'll set the framework for what we expect. And then we will have this, um, and the real estate community will respond as it usually does, um, sort of based on what the market decides it wants. And that, to me, is the, the tough part to figure out right now. Um, we, we are, um, we're conflicted. When you build multifamily units or student housing or whatever, um, the intelligence 
the technology intelligence that they hold in their hand is superior, right? You don't need to really talk, worry so much about building, programming the air conditioning. You know, they just now sell the air conditioning thing that adds on to your air conditioning that you control over your phone. I mean, physically building it into your real estate is probably not as important as just the ability to accommodate a lot of these innovations that come along. But I do think an overarching commitment to being a smart city, as I said, is important. And I do think real estate, real estate developers will ultimately figure out um, what we think some of the innovative um, things that make you smart uh, or make a city smarter are. And on, in Orlando, the, the good news is, you know, we're still in that sort of adolescence phase of growing up as a city and we don't have this mature transit system and we don't have a mature sort of um, uh, data analytics around the way a lot of these things could end up. And so I'm encouraged by that actually because we kind of get to figure out what we invent our future to be. Real estate developers are... Um, are notoriously bad at, at what I call presumptive arrogance, but we, we decide what we think the market wants and we build it. And this has really been a huge mistake in, in smart cities. You, you've, you've, you thought everybody wanted this house that had a control pad, and the next thing you know, ADT came out with that six, late, six months later and no one cared. So this is where the I feel like the risk in real estate is. In some ways, we need to sit back and figure out what the market tells us we need to be able to adapt to, and we need to build in, in smart locations so that we can put smart people in smart cities, right? But we don't need to focus too much on the actual kind of thing that it is, and I worry that thing would get outdated quickly anyway. Yeah, you can just count the numbers of miles of cable I have in BA1 and BA2 right. that no that you, longer that matter you told, as a result of Wi-Fi, right? right? That, yeah. yeah, that you were told was yeah. the best and the brightest at the time. Exactly, right? right? Yeah, Mike, what do you think about that? Yeah, I've, I, and this is all experience from my, my past life. I mean, I've seen impacts on real estate all over the place, so it really depends on what you want to focus on. Uh, some of our early smart city projects in, in my past job in Japan, what we actually saw were increases in value. So we, we were building a smart city development and seeing that residents were willing to pay a 25 to 30% premium to live in that development because they wanted the, you know, the resiliency, they, they wanted the, the technology that was helping with public safety, I mean, they wanted those things. On the flip side, though, some of the projects we were working on uh, in San Francisco were really geared around affordable housing. How, how can you use smart city technology to you know, create places where the, the police and, and, and firemen and teachers can actually afford to live in San Francisco? How can, how can we use technology to drive down construction costs? Um, some of my work in Denver, we, we really wanted to focus on carbon neutrality, so it was really you know, partnerships with the utility, with, with uh, Denver Airport, on really a new business model and, and new planning process around energy that, you know, quite honestly, unlocked a, a carbon neutral neighborhood without it costing uh, anymore. So it really depends on what are your goals and, and, and then, you know, you'll, you'll get the desired impact you want on your real estate. Yeah, so from a real estate standpoint, that's a, it's a good thing that we think about. So, um, it would be smarter to house yourself in less square footage. So the, this, this is what should happen as we try to keep addressing affordable housing and you can't really affect, although you'd like to, how much concrete costs or anything. Ultimately, a smarter generation, a smarter city will house people in, in an average dwelling size that is not 2,500 square feet. Um, it just sort of by definition, it will be smarter to live more efficiently. The office world has actually already discovered this, whether you like co-working space or not. And I think this pendulum will shift a little bit back. But, but co-working space is nothing if it's not more efficient. I mean, it, it just is. You're using real estate um, 
for a longer period of time with more people using it. And so uh, I do think that that thought process will extend into residential. And this is this has started to be talked about a lot for a very long time. It was it was thought that you could invent a better thing to build it out of like 3D printing a house or something. That, that was where technology started in addressing the affordable housing thing. I actually think now the promise is really in the efficiency of a lifestyle you can create through a smart city. So this, this is in Asia and everywhere already. But so the, I should buy Ikea stock. Yeah, right. So Ikea, right that's, it, that's exactly right. <laughs> the, the idea of an Ikea unit being yeah. smart and Tiny being more houses efficient. houses are a yeah, thing, yeah, apparently. Yeah, so that's, hmm. yeah, that is, they are a thing. <laughs> but that is, that, is, that is what I think you're going to see in real estate as far as the way we house ourselves in the future is ultimately become out about less square footage. Hmm. So when we reached out to you, um, you replied that you thought it was a really interesting topic and that there were smart, smart cities and dumb, smart cities. Right. Would, you like, would you like to expound upon that a little bit? Yeah, so I think about that a couple of ways. So, so smart, smart cities are what we're trying to do. They're, they're intentional and they're thoughtful and they're planned and they actually have a reason to call themselves that. Dumb, smart cities are really a marketing gimmick. Um, they, they, they are in a location that isn't smart or they don't have technology that's smart or they don't have stakeholders that are committed to being smart, but yet they just call themselves that to um, give you the false promise that they have one thing, like a guard gate that goes open automatically when your car re thing sets it off or something. It's not even smart in the first place, right? But Because it's sort of a buzz thing to say that you're smart, right? And then I also, um, and then I also think smart, smart cities have smart people, right? Dumb, smart cities have dumb people. The, the idea that you, you ultimately still have to attract you have to retain and attract intellectually um, superior and knowledge sort of based economy. All this idea, I mean, that's what the whole world has become about, right? And we're all in competition for, for this, this subset of, of, of really, really smart people. Um, and so that ultimately um, is the measure of a smart city. I, I don't know if you actually scored how it would shake out the places that we aspire to, but there tends to be a relationship. San Francisco and Seattle and Denver and Austin and Portland and all these, Boston, all these people that show up on these places as being these really smart, it's, it's not just because the technology's smart, the people are smart, they tend to have the most universities per capita, they have very high education attainment level, right? So that's sort of what I mean by this idea. You can't just sort of build the, the bones of it and still have a bunch of, but I, I do think there is, there is, it, it, there is also a, a self, um, uh, a selecting kind of uh, thing. I, I might want to live in a dumb city. I don't know how smart I am, but I'm. So I've. All, that's why I've struggled with the term, just, just even of itself, of calling yourself smarter than the other place. But um, but I do think that's what we're talking about. Is it? I mean, to hear Mayor Dyer say it and to hear us say it, we're all after this same. I I, I, I always argue that dumb people need a place to live too. But the uh, but the smart city piece of it is. Um, it, it, that's what we're talking about at the end of the day. It's just can we get. A, a place that where we all want to live and would attract the talent and sort of what we need to grow our economy and be diverse and it, it, you know if you think about it which I think is what smart city means smart means being diverse and having a place for everyone and being inclusive and all these things right so that's what I want us to mean by smart I don't want it to be this elitist term that we're just trying to get everybody from Harvard with the MBA to move to Orlando that's not what I think it means but I think it does get misconstrued yeah, no, sometimes I, I, I would say I would agree with that. I, I think you may even see the. I mean, it's a very strange term, smart city. It always has been to me. You may actually see the name start to change. I mean, some players in the industry already are. They're they're using connected city or other definitions. So you may, it's a so it's a buzzword now, but the buzzword yeah, might change. You can't be smart city certified like you can be lead certified. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah not not quite yet. Yeah. Do you think that'll come? 
Do you, I, do you think there's a set of standards there that might apply? There are there are always standards that develop. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would I would suspect mm -hmm. yes. So the podcast does not end wishy-washy. You each have to answer the question in three sentences or less. Is, are smart cities a thing? Yes or no, Craig? Yes, smart cities are a thing. I don't think they'll be called that when they ultimately become a big thing, though. Mike? Uh, I hope it's a thing or I'm going to be looking for a new job soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think some vendors sort of treat it as a gimmick to try to sell you a shiny object, but I think the whole process of bringing the community get together, getting people aligned, understanding what issues we want to solve, I think that's absolutely a thing. So it's my podcast, so I get to go last. My dad was a hoarder. One of the things he hoarded was magazines from the 1950s. And I remember one that life did on what life was going to be like in the 1970s. And it had a number of predictions in them, and all of them were wrong. Okay? I think smart cities is going to be a lot like that. Okay? What we think smart cities are today probably aren't going to be a thing. But some version of it, after people interact with it, probably will be a thing. Thanks for the conversation. Really appreciate it. And for all of you participating. So what's your take? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu slash podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my producer, Josh Miranda, and the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on. <laughs>